uh, point out that uh, many elements of the following uh, <laughs> program are liable to be somewhat uh, irritating, if not downright uh, infuriating to uh, those of you who are trapped out there where you're trapped. And, of course, they represent no views of the management nor of the performer or even of life itself. I am here. I am here. Yes. Aid has come. You are now safe. I am on the scene. <laughs> As part of its continuing public service programming, this deeply concerned radio station now brings you a comforting voice. I am here. For all of you out there who are nervous in the 20th century, a voice that rattles the field coils of time will bring you success and succor, aid, sustenance, and help. Hello? That's me. <laughs> I knew you'd feel better, gang. I, I, I knew you'd feel better. By the way, before we get started here tonight, for, for the record, I would like to go on. I would like to go on the record here. Uh, page 68 of tonight's New York Post. I'll give you a second or two to dig it up. Page 68 of tonight's New York Post. Lot of tea. I'll, I'll uh, hold down the fort here while you're digging up tonight's post. You're getting it out from underneath the uh, Airedale there, and you can uh, see what I'm looking at. Lot of tea, 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 but, uh, yes, page 68 of tonight's post, uh, Wednesday. It's uh, On page 68, there is a very, very interesting picture, a startling picture. I hold it up here for those of you who are uh, taking testimony here before the Senate subcommittee. I'm holding it up here. And by the way, wouldn't that be a great thing? I've always had a secret desire to be called to testify before a Senate subcommittee. You know, and Gabe Pressman is standing here looking at me admiringly, and Walter Cronkite editorializes the next night about what... I have said, I'm now holding up here for the Senate subcommittee a picture, which I'm showing to you, Nick, please. Will you look at it? page 68? It is a picture of the ex-New York Yankee first baseman Joe Pepitone. You see this? And it's a curious picture in which he has and bears a startling resemblance to Betty Friedan. A startling resemblance to Betty Friedan. I couldn't figure out what Betty Friedan was doing on the sport page, and I realized it was Joe Pepitone. So, uh, gang, I don't know what's happening. I just, it's just getting out of control. I don't know, you know. Sometimes, you don't mind if I get my instruments out here. I just say, uh, like Sherlock Holmes, when he was in the midst of a great moment of stress, when the Dr. Watson was snuffling around in the background there, and the old digs at 222-1 Bacon, Beacon Street, Baker, Boober, Baker. That's right, thank you, Nick. He's my literary expert in there. He's got a firm grasp of all the pulps. And so, uh, 
<laughs> like uh, Sherlock Holmes. You know what Holmes used to do in moments of stress when his mind was scrambled. What did he do? Uh, well, he did that, but uh, what else did he do? He'd look out over over Baker Street and the rain was coming driving down on that handsome carriage. It'd go up, plop, 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 plop. You know, this newest case, the case of the uh, purple-eyed speckled band snake. What would he do? He'd take out his Stradivarius, and he would begin to play. Well, I'm a 20th century man, so I whip up my axe and... feel better. I tell you. <laughs> and if you care to look it up. Oh, by the way, we have a very important announcement to make for you here. For those of you who've, who've felt a little embarrassment at listening to us every night, you know, in spite, you know instead of doing important stuff like uh, watching Zsa Zsa Gabor on the Johnny Carson show, you know, stuff that adds to your culture. Uh, or watching a late, 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 late movie featuring the Preparation H Man on the commercials. Uh, <laughs> you mean you're not a fan? I <laughs> he looks a little like a defrocked Methodist minister to me, you know. I always have that feeling, a little hanky panky from the choir loft now. Well, of course, you know, you do what you do, and you do the best you can. And anyway, this guy, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I feel better now that I played my thing. And and uh, tonight, uh, of course, we've got many things here. I. I, uh, I'm a little, you know, concerned with the way the world is going here. For example, a guy in Liverpool, England, says uh, Jim Gilmore is ending his dial-a-laugh service. He had a dial-a-laugh service there. And uh, <laughs> the English need it, too. <laughs> What's been happening to England? It's slowly sinking. But uh, he had a dial-a-laugh service, and he cut it out in Liverpool. He said uh, it was too successful. 600 persons a day were calling him. And uh, since he announced that he would uh, cheer up callers by playing tapes of a man and woman laughing. Out of hand, said Gilmore, who owns a joke shop. And the joke shop, incidentally, uh, specializes in whoopee cushions and sneezing powders. And he has a fantastic collection of... I, uh, by the way, have you ever seen sneezing powder actually work? It doesn't. I've never seen it work. I've, I've invested heavily in <laughs> sneezing powder, and I've put it on people's... Uh, uh, ballpoint pens, everything. It never works. I, I even put a little bit on the, on Barry Farber's phone the other day. You know, I was hoping for some action. Nothing happened. I feel disappointed. You know, I, you're so disappointed. How many times have you gone into something with great expectations? You know, you go tearing off and 
and it just sort of lays there. And, and of course, uh, I did see one time a whoopee cushion, though. Spectacular success. In fact, so much of a success that ultimately the, the whole the party broke up and people got mad and there was a lot of rolling around on the lawn outside afterwards and yelling and one guy was taken away and it was just a terrible scene, but uh, it did work, I'll tell you. Although, uh, <laughs> you know, that whole subject of practical jokes bears a little investigation. Yeah, it does. It, uh, uh, I, uh, I've never been a practical joke type, except one time I... I uh, I got involved in the practical joke world. Uh, uh, I told you the story about the... Of course, I don't know whether those those uh, bath mats are really practical jokes. Well, no, no, they're not the kind of bath mat that slides and uh, fractures the skull of the laugh-a-second victim. No, that, that kind is good. I, I, uh, I did see a, a, a set of dribble glasses once working briskly at the speaker's table. I saw a guy one time, I'll tell you, it was one of, the great, one of the great actual successes I've seen with the practical jokes. I was at this banquet, and um, I was not at the head table. I was, you know, I was sitting down there with the hoi polloi, you know, the rabble. And, uh, you know, sitting down there, and, and uh, your head goes to sleep after about the third or fourth uh, speech, and you're sitting there toying with the melting ice cream, and you wonder how you know how you could get it. And then instantly, every I, I don't know whether you have the same problem. The minute the minute that the, the speeches start going, and your head starts to buzz a little bit, and they're going blah 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 up there, and people are hammering. Yeah, attention, please. Now we would like to present our distinguished ex-president, and uh, your head starts to hum, and then you have this terrible urge to go to the John. Actually, in spite of the fact you don't even have to go, it's just a it's a, I don't know, it's a reflexive thing. And then, of course, that passes after a while. You think of other thoughts. You know, that, How many times have you tried that technique, thinking of other thoughts? See, you think of other things. You think of birds. And, and you know, then you think of trees. Then you got to go, you know, then you jump up. You, no, then you sit down again. You have to listen to the speech. Well, this friend of mine was involved in the, in the programming planning stage of this banquet scene. He, he got to the waiter's. And he made sure that each speaker sitting at the platform up there had a dribble glass. And, <laughs> and, and there were only about nine of us who were alerted to what was about to happen. Now, I don't know whether you've ever tried to drink out of a dribble glass. They are really maddening. They, they really are. And they look like regular glasses. You know, you're drinking it, and it just, no matter what you do, it runs down your tie. And uh, you, you feel like, you know, you feel like you're a, you're a drooling old man. You say, what, the, what the hell's the matter with me tonight? You just stop it. You know, you sit up. Uh, now, now, I used to be able to drink. You pick up your glass again. Now, now, easy. Now, bring it up to your mouth. Careful. See, and you start drinking. Next thing, it's dribbling down your chin. Well, the speaker, <laughs> the speaker happened to be, of course, I've seen some bad jokes in my time, but the speaker happened to be a real fantastic windbag. I mean, you know, uh, some guys, some guys uh, wallow in speech making. And that's a bad type of speech maker to listen to. I mean, you can just see the satisfaction coming out of his eyes when he steps to the lectern. In fact, even the word lectern makes me itchy. I think the word lectern, ugh. you know, speaker, that's a bad word. Uh, and then anyway, he, he steps up to the lectern. See, and on the lectern, my friend had carefully planned with the planning committee that there would be a glass, you know, for the speaker. He had to take a sip of uh, water to clear his throat before he issues another barrage of clichés. You know, another barrage of, uh, it is with great humility that I stand here tonight before you. 
as a man who's been humbled by the position to which you have honored him, that uh, he he has his dribble glass there. Well, he was the kind of guy that between every sentence he would go, <clears throat> and I say to you, <clears throat> he takes the glass and it runs right down his orange tie. At a tie, you can really see it. See, he goes up like this. And everybody in the audience starts to sit up. See, for the first time, there was something happening up there. And the dribble glass runs down the guy's tie. And uh, he didn't notice it. See, that's the thing. When you get carried away by a speech, you're, you're carried away on the wings of your own silver oratory. You are being born into the heaven of bombast. That's <laughs> kind of a nice phrase, isn't it? I've often thought that the greatest practitioner of bombast in America today is Howard Cosell. And I, I want to I concede that, that the true bombast is the guy who, who uh, proceeds with, with no concern for, for repercussions. That's true bombast. And so he was walking away up there, bamming out there. The cliches are going out over the left field scoreboard one after the other with this guy. And as he got going, he's, it was very hot in this place. And he starts to drink this water every, between every speech, between every sentence. You see it dribbling down his thing. And then he became aware of this. And as he would drink, he would wipe his chin. We're just sitting there getting lower and lower. And finally, he just takes the glass. I've rarely seen a speaker just right in the middle stop what he was doing. And he did. He stopped. He looked at the glass. He looked out at the audience, took a sip of the water again. It dribbled right down, ran down his sleeve this time. You could see it staining in his, down in his elbow there. And it was getting into his BVDs and everything. <laughs> and he takes the glass. He says, right in the middle of this thing, he says, What the hell's the matter with his glass? Well, the crowd burst into fantastic applause. In that instant, you knew that there was humanity inside this man and that he was going to be the next president of this uh, cockamamie organization that he was running for. They wear funny hats, this uh, organization, you know, like beaver tails running down the back. Speaking of a curious uh, uh, organization, this reminds me, this is WOR in uh, New York. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they, had a, if they had a team uniform here at the station? <laughs> and you know uniforms are supposed to tell about you know what kind of an outfit you're in you know for example if, if you play with the if you play with the uh well the rams the los angeles rams you had these big horns painted on it see and uh, you play with the detroit well the lions the lion leaping out and uh, in other words the uniform is symbolic of the actual drive and the 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 courage of the organizations you represent. I'm just curious what kind of a uniform we would have, Nick. Just thought I'd ask you. Would you please uh, lay a little of that uh, Portuguese music on me there while the troops are out there mulling it over, please? <laughs> oh. I don't know. This uh, this music just scrambles my head. <laughs> Bring it up there, Nicholas, please. <laughs> Oh, you should hear the lyrics this tune. All right, here's the deal. Tonight, for $426, TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, will sell you two countries, Dad, and they'll throw in a few islands on the side. I mean, you know, for $426, you can hardly get a used Dodge for that. And man, for two weeks, this royal treatment tour of Lisbon, Funchal, Las Palmas, and Madrid will blow your mind. And by the way, the price even includes round-trip economy airfare. And they'll take you from Lisbon's scene there, which is great. I think it's one of the great cities in the world. 
And then they'll take you to the island of Funchal. When you lay that on the crowd, you know, you've been spending two weeks in Funchal. That'll flow them. Las Palmas. And then on to Madrid. A fantastic two-week tour. So if you'd like to find out about it, call your travel agent or TAP. TAP is the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal. You can call them at 421-8500 for complete details. For four hundred and twenty-six dollars, what do you, you know, what do you want, friend? Listen, I've I've had four hundred and twenty-six dollar bills at miserable flea bag, bad uh, nightclubs. <laughs> oh, listen, that reminds me. Has that ever happened to you? Has it, Nick? Have you ever been? Have, has anybody ever laid a check on you at a, at, a, at some place you've been and you've been, you know, had that fantastic realization that you just don't have the scratch? I mean, that's one of the great unsung fears of almost all of us, is to, you know, oh, don't worry about it, I'm picking up the check. And uh, everyone says, oh, gee, Fred's picking up the check. No, oh, don't worry about it. You figure the check, you know, it's going to be about $8. And they lay it in front of you, it's thirty-seven fifty, And you know you got, you know, you got $11 between you and the next payday, which is 18 weeks away. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I uh, listen, I, I was with a guy when I talked about embarrassing moments, you know, it almost ranks with the dribble glass. Although, uh, I, I uh, you know, there are all kinds of terrible tricks you can play on people. And I, I don't know how to bring this up, but uh, I, I've been the victim of a couple of them. Uh, I personally, I, uh, I have. I, I, one of the worst I've ever fallen victim to was one day a guy had me pick up a package in a, check room in an elegant restaurant and i was with him seeing he'd been drinking a little bit and so uh, he put this package in the in the check room neck you know and uh, we had stopped by a joke store have you ever gone into a joke store oh they're great you can get these little things that are petrified that look like the uh you know look like the dachshund was messing around at a coffee table and and uh, you can you know you can slip under uh, you can slip into people's salads and stuff like that. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what you can get? You can get plastic worms that you can put in their sandwiches. That's good for a laugh. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and you never know when you're being played with, you know, or whether it's the actual thing. Like the time I was in this restaurant one night, and of course New York is an exciting place, and that you never know when you're going to meet wildlife in New York. You don't uh, of all types. Uh, I was standing on the corner of uh, 47th and Park one day. And that's an elegant neighborhood, right? No, actually, it's further uptown. It was about 58th and Park. Real elegant. Oh, yeah. High rent district. And uh, all these nice ladies were out walking their pools and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, there's all kinds of fascinating people living in that neighborhood, really. And I'm standing there uh, trying to pretend to the tourists, see, that I'm one of the Park Avenue types. I occasionally go over there and just stand on the corner, see. And uh, you see the tourist bus go by. And when the, they do go by, I always wear, I have this fancy hat I wear. I've got this rich man's hat. It's actually a hat that I saved from a Halloween party I was at. It's made out of paper, but it looks like one of these high hats, you know. And uh, I stand over there with this stick, you know, high hat and a stick. That's what rich guys are supposed to have, see. And uh, I got this stick. It's got a funny thing. You press the button on the top and the bird flies out of the other hand. Yeah, it's a great little stick. You ever seen one of those? Yeah, it looks like a regular cane, see. And it's got a white handle on the top, like ivory. And you press it, and this bird flies out of the other end. You just point it at people. You go, ah! And the bird goes, quack, 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 and it goes back in a stick. And it's really a you know, great little thing. I, I, when I'm discouraged uh, once in a while, I'll sit there, and I'll 
pointed at Martha Dean or something. Rack, 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 and a bird flies out. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, we get a lot of little action going around. The guy's got to, you know, do the best you can with what you got. And so I'm standing on the street corner. I often do that. I take my little cane. And uh, I've got my paper hat, and I stand in the corner, and these buses go by. Of course, you realize that there's all kinds of tours of Manhattan going on all the time, you know? And they're very exciting, especially, you know, if you're if you're one of the sites that is pointed out. I kind of like that. Uh, and I, I, I go to places where I know the tour buses go, see, and they go up past uh, that area of, of, uh, of uh, you know, Park Avenue, and that's where the rich people are, see? And you can hear the PA system. Uh, out of the bus when it goes by, all these little ladies with blue hair and their instamatic cameras are peering out. You know, and all the school teachers from Iowa are, you know, having their big exciting fling. They're two weeks in in New York, seeing the big town. And if you'll give me a little uh, echo chamber, please, Nick, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you the cue for it. Uh, this is the, you know, you hear these uh, these PA systems. They sound a little like this. You know, the guy always talks in a monotone. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, this is the Park Avenue District of New York, the Park Avenue District of New York, which has been fabled in story and song and in many works of fiction and in the movies as one of the wealthiest areas of the entire city of New York City, as well as uh, one of the most uh, wealthy areas of the entire country of America. Now, you'll notice off to your left, those are apartment buildings. Those apartment buildings rent uh, from $300 for an apartment all the way up to ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month for an apartment. You will notice the wealthy people as they walk their dogs up and down Park Avenue. You notice one standing over there in the corner right now, and he probably doesn't mind if you take his picture. Uh, he's waving now. And now we are going out down towards Chinatown, which is down south. See, and I stand in the corner, and I wave at him. See, and I wave my high silk hat, and I take my cane, and I open it up, you know, and I press the button, and the bird flies out, and the ladies take my picture. And then uh, quite often uh, on Sundays... Since I live in the village, Sunday, of course, in the village is where all the tourists come by the millions, right, Nick? Every tourist in the Western world, there's probably more tourists in the village in New York on a Sunday than I would say are visiting the entire country of France on any given on any given uh, weekend. Well, oh, it's fantastic, see. And so I naturally play my 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 native uh, role. Now, what do I do about that? See, of course, well, I'll tell you what I've got. Uh, about six or seven months ago, I was walking along the street, and I found in the garbage in front of one of the places in the village, I found an old moth-eaten bear skin, you know, the kind that you see on the, you know, with the head like that, see? Well, I cut two holes in it, and that's my jacket now. And I wear that over me, and the bear skin, and the, and the head hangs down in back of me. This is typical village garb. And uh, I, I, have a, I have a necklace made of small human skulls, which I have around me. And I have this gigantic pipe. Now, of course, it's, a, it's a firmly believed by everybody from out of town that everybody in the village is continually smoking something. Correct? Well, you can't let them down. I mean, we in New York have got to continue to entertain the tourists. And I, I believe in what Lindsay said. He says, let's make it a fun city. So I do. So I've got this bubble pipe. Uh, you know the kind of pipe that makes those bubbles? You use the plastic stuff, see? Well, I've got this pipe, and it comes up through my collar and hooks in, and I run it into the, you know, I, I run it through this false beard I got, and when I'm standing out there, and by the way, I put dye in this plastic stuff, and I blow purple bubbles as I stand out there wearing my bearskin rug. Looks like I'm smoking a rare, very rare oriental drug of some kind. And I stand with my black shades. I have these Eskimo shades, by the way. Have you ever seen Eskimo shades? Yeah, that's right, slits, little tiny slits in my eyes. 
and I look enigmatic as all hell. See, and I stand on Eighth Street, right there by uh, right by McDougal, you know, by the Eighth Street bookshop there, and I and I squat down, and uh, I just squat uh, down there by the uh, by the foundation of this building. I blow the bubbles, and uh, the bus goes by, and I hear the speaker. You know, he says. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are visiting the colorful Bohemian Village District. The area here has been made famous by such village residents of Edna St. Vincent Millay. Um, at one time, uh, Mark Twain lived in this area. Jack Kerouac made the village famous back in the 1950s. Of course, at this time, the village is replete with many hippies, many people of strange and bizarre habits. In fact, there's one over there now. And I blast him with a big cloud of bubbles, you know, and I sit there. And I have one word that I use, which is a word that is often seen on the walls of various subways. And uh, tourist ladies like to hear this because then they can go home you know, and tell everybody at the, you know, at the bridge club when they're sitting there eating that bridge mix about this terrible hippie they saw, see. So I holler it, see. And by the way, I get a rake off on everything that goes on down there at that time because me and the bus driver got a whole thing going. So uh, each guy... <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. Oh, well, by the way, Nick, uh, I have to put you to work here. Is there anybody out there? Hello, Test. Come on, sit up straight. Come on. I said, sit up, Joe Pepitone. We know you're hiding. Come on now. Next thing you know, he's going to pop up like Shirley Temple here. All right, uh, would you please give me those horns, Nick? Let's have that general tire. Hit the blaster there. Oh, I love this horn. Let's know those horns. Fantastic. The king is coming on the stage. He's got the crown on, man. It's General Tire's original equipment tire sale on the glass belted Jumbo 780. Oh, boy. Own a compact, intermediate, or standard-sized car? Well, friend, you can get this long-mileage glass belted tire for only $25.50 in your choice of size A78-13, E, or 774814-, or F78-15 6SJ7GT. Tubeless black wall and a distinctive white wall tire is only $3 more. Mount your glass belted Jumbo. 780 tires today. Hurry. Sale ends Saturday, May 13th. Watch for the big red General Tire G. You want something a little... Boy, I just made it. Oh, that was good, Nick. Very good. Let's see. We've got... Uh... Yes, here's another goodie. Would you give me a little mood music for this one, please? Uh, any kind of mood music. Just a little mood music. Whatever you got up there, Nick. <laughs> oh, they'd love that. <laughs> All right. Bring that on. Come on. Bring it on. Let's give them a little exciting. Oh, yes, this is elegant. A little classical music. Thank you, Nick. Notice that's counterpoint in singing. <laughs> oh, that's a good note. Savers, here's an important announcement. Did you get a dividend credit to your savings account on the 28th of April? Of course, that's assuming that we have savers among my listeners, which is highly improbable. <laughs> Knowing that shiftless, improvident crowd. Well, you would have if you were a depositor of the Providence Savings Bank in Jersey City, the oldest savings bank in New Jersey. All Providence Savings Bank savers get their 5% a year dividend posted to their account on the last day of the month. 
every month. That's 5% a year from the day of deposit. Bring it up a little bit there. Bring that little Mozart in there because Mozart has a definite religious quality. And we're speaking about money, friends. <laughs> so, ask for the Provident Savings Bank postage-free bank-by-mail kit. Just write Provident, name of personality, WOR New York 1, 0018, or phone MU2-6800 right now. They're waiting on hand right now. Those ladies are sitting right back in the cello section, so call them right now. It's MU2-6800, member FDIC. Would you like me to uh, sit in with the gang? enough. Martha Dean busted my nose food again. Yeah, look at that. Humbug. Uh, 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 you please turn that up. I'll send this out your way as a public service. Bah! Try it again. Give me a little echo chamber, Nick. Bah! Humbug! That's for the rest of you out there who don't have the guts to say it. And you never Have you noticed... Have you noticed that uh, life is getting to be a whole series of nice guy episodes? It is. Can you, wouldn't it be great if one candidate was to run and really lay it out? <laughs> I mean, one candidate looks right at you and says, What's the matter with hate? Huh? I'm for it! Everybody'd sit up all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> First time it ever happened. Hey, listen, friends, uh, speaking of... Uh, the nice guy world. I don't know how to approach this. Uh, you know, after all, all my listeners out there are such uh, gourmets. I mean, I'm not going to be the one to explain to you about sets of one food, right? No. I, actually, I'll tell you this about it. Uh, certain types of sets of one food are so hot that it makes Mexican chili look like pablum. Right? Like Wheaties. And uh, steam comes out of your ears. But if you have never tried really great uh, Chinese food from all the different regions of China, Setsuan, Shanghai, Peking, and Canton, we'd like to recommend the Great Shanghai. You can order the dishes, you know, mild, medium, or fiery hot. By the way, if you've got a guy with you that uh, you would like to teach a final total lesson to, you say to him, well, don't worry, Charlie, I know all about this Chinese food. Yes, uh... Oh, by the way, waiter, uh, we'd like some of that Sichuan food, and uh, go all the way, <laughs> all the way, yeah. And then watch. He sits down there, you know, and, and get him into conversation, see, catch him off guard. And he's saying, well, I was saying to Fred, and he starts to shovel stuff in, as I was saying to Fred, ah, 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 ah. you don't do anything, you just sit there and say, what's the matter, Charlie? Thought you knew all about great food. Try the great Shanghai's Sunday brunch, it's a superb buffet. Serve from four to eleven to four. All you can eat on Sunday for only two seventy-five. And I like this mysterious Oriental touch. Children and children under four feet tall, a dollar and a half. If you can pound that little runt down a little bit, <laughs> I have a whole succession of three and a half foot high toads have been showing up at the Great Shanghai lately. 
They're three and a half feet high and seven feet around. The Great Shanghai, Broadway at 103rd. There's an IRT station right there. Let's see. We've done Provident. Uh, we've done TAP. Oh, yes. Yes, I don't want to lead you down the path of uh, perdition here. But uh, as a uh, distinguished world traveler, I would like to recommend to you Costa do Sol, which is an elegant rosé. comes from Portugal, and uh, it's good. Just uh, take it from me. It really is, Nick. You, you've had it? It's good, yeah. It's a very light rosé, lightly uh, sparkling, just right, you know. And and not, oh, if there's anything I hate, it's a sweet rosé. Yeah. Oh, yeah, makes my, you know, makes the glasses of my mind cloud up. However, oh, yes, you see, I don't have a real mind. I have these uh, spectacles in my head and my mind. It's the glasses of my mind that cloud up. But if you would like to try a really elegant uh, rosé that I would recommend personally, it's Costa de Sol. It's a fine table wine. It goes with any kind of food, and even if you just want to sit around and, you know, Costa de Sol. And uh, I would like to point out also, it's imported by the Allens of M.S. Walker, Inc., Boston, Mass. It says, must say. I said it now. You can't blame me. I take no credit for that. Hey, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, now that we're, now we've got all the commercials. This is probably great change. Yeah, we're all we're all cool with the commercials. Uh, I want to I want to read something to you. Now, I'll, I'll, before I do it, Nick, would you do this for me? Uh, in the uh, in my pile of stuff there, do you have something? Uh, something moody. Something moody. Yeah, you, you ought to have something moody. How about a little of that, uh... Yeah, I think something from 2001 would fit that perfect. Yeah, that... No, I'll blue damn you. Get out of here. I'll blue damn you, you. <laughs> no, give me something that has, a Has that curious, sinister mood. Just to lay it on me there. Anything, Nick. Just put it on. I don't care. It doesn't... Just lay it on me, because I've got something. Now, I'll t- the, the point I want to make before I go any further here. Now, hold on a minute, Nick. Oh, gee, this is terrible. Everything's happening all that. It says, police seek web-footed mugger. What, what's going on in Cranford, New Jersey? It's crowds of ducks, angry ducks, are, are, are raging through the streets of Cranford. I read this note to you. A complaint registered with police of Cranford, New Jersey, Sunday may well be filed as the first case of the delinquent duck. A woman who prefers to remain anonymous walked into police headquarters shortly before 9 a.m. and told police she'd been attacked repeatedly by a duck, <laughs> one of about 40 that make their home along Riverside Park. The duck, a loner. That's the worst kind. In fact, I've always found the dangerous men to be loners. Dillinger was a famous loner. Yeah. Billy the Kid, this duck, a loner, who was apart from the rest of the duck, duck suddenly jumped at the woman from out of a privet hedge and knocked her to the ground as she walked on Riverside Drive. He then quacked loudly and repeated the knockdown tactics. And then finally, he it says, and I'm, I'm just quoting, I do not make the news, ladies and gentlemen, I only report it. It says here that he, uh, you know, the idea of a duck doing this, it says after he had knocked her down twice, he strutted into the weeds, apparently muttering to himself. Police say they have an excellent description of the suspect, reportedly to be approximately, be on the watch for this, approximately 15 inches tall, has a bright yellow bill, 
and dresses only in feathers. Watch out for him. Jersey. In fact, I got a note from from uh, one of the one of the residents of Cranford. He says somebody's got to say something about Cranford. This town is getting ape anyway with the ducks, the whole scene. He says say something about it. Well, I want to point out the whole world is going to pieces. Oh, everywhere. You've noticed this? Every place you go. Uh, it's slowly beginning to fall. And it's not only America. Oh, listen, I want to tell you, I go into this restaurant in, in, in Bangkok. Now, you expect nothing to happen in Bangkok. I sit down in this restaurant, this elegant, timey, you know, timey's restaurant. The man comes over to me. He says, oh, so you're guest of restaurant. I said, yes, indeed. He says, ah, you're American. I says, yes. Ah, he says, we have fresca. I come all the way to Bangkok for fresca. Well, I didn't want to, you know, insult him because he was so excited about laying the fresca on me. So I says, oh, yes, yes, me, American. I like fresca. Fresca, please, fresca. He says, oh, fresca, please. He turns to the, you know, his sub-waiter, and the waiter comes rushing out with a can of fresca. Lukewarm. And so I very politely drank it all the while, you know, pretending like I was, you know, a gourmet of fresca. Uh, fresca gourmet, isn't it? <laughs> oh, sometimes in the dark of night you can't tell fresca from strawberry diet. You who, I mean, where are you going to turn? But nevertheless, would you please bring on that sneaky music for me? Sneak it on there, Nick. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect. You did it again, Nick. Perfect. It's from your old collection of Fred Waring records. Beautiful. Great. Oh, it's uh, yes, it's the theme song of Kay, College, Kay Kaiser's College of Musical Knowledge. Of course, I know that. It's beautiful. Yes. This is just when they were coming out with a mystery tone. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, that's just great. Bring it up a little bigger there, Nicholas. Let's, let's just inundate Cranford, New Jersey with it. Record pop and all. I don't care about that. That's part of life. <laughs> One must face it for what it is. Yes. The water tonight in New York will be cloudy. But it's drinkable. Barely. All right. Now I quote from a pulp detective story. How many of you are fans of Travis McGee? You? You ever read Travis McGee? A great classical character in American pulp fiction. Written by John D. McDonald, a guy that nobody talks much about, but he's got 47 million books on the stands. And he throws these little zingers out. Just, just, he says more in one para paragraph than Gloria Steinem will say about the world in five million uh, endless uh, prolix episodes in New York Magazine. Listen to what he says. 1964, this was written in a, uh, a fairly second-rate detective story called Nightmare in Pink. A Travis McGee episode. Listen to this. It's Travis talking to you. I thanked her again, and I walked slowly down the center corridor, glancing into the offices on either side. He's in New York City, see? At the mild, sedate girls running the chuckling electric machinery that recorded the flux of money. At the quiet men making little marks on tabulated reports and talking in bank voices into phones and dictation equipment. It was the world's most dignified horse room. The basic commodity was the same, money. After those offices, my hotel looked like something designed to be thrown away after use. The old city 
Yeah, the old city was being filled with these tall, tasteless rectangles, bright boxes, which diminished the people who had to live and work in them. People kennels, disposable cubicles for dispensable people. As I showered, I wondered if perhaps these hideous new tax shelter buildings with people sealed into the sour roar of manufactured air didn't play some significant part in creating New York's ever-increasing flavor of surly and savage bitterness, a mocking wise guy stink of discontent. Ugliness creates more ugliness, so the buildings could contribute, and so could the narrow greed of the truly vicious little trade unions. Yeah, Buster, I'm getting mine. The hell with you. 30-hour week, 25-hour week. Grind the last panicky dime out of the golden goose. So it's down to 25 hours, which figures to 10 bucks or more an hour. And anybody gets smart. All you do is walk out again and tie up a whole crappy city. But even when you're working, what do you do with all those great, raw, boring, horrible chunks of time? All those hours. When if anybody looks at you just a little bit wrong, you want to smash them to pulp. Man, we got a strong union. We got this city right where we want it. But something is going wrong, and nobody knows exactly what it is. You can read it in all the eyes you see. 1964. Eight years ago. Curious. Curious. <laughs> yeah, you can see it in all the eyes. The water will be cloudy tonight, friends. But it will be drinkable. Ducks are attacking ladies on the street. Ducks with yellow bills and overcoats made out of feathers in Cranford, New Jersey. Whoopee cushions are being sold on the open market. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, what? Well, and, uh, that's all there is to it. And the ape girl. Step right in. She's performing now. Yes, for only $4, you can see Anne to do her thing. And by the way, we honor bank credit cards. We honor all major credit cards here. Yeah, you pay your dough, and you pick it up, and you walk out. By the way, speaking of paying your dough, don't forget, Gene Shepard returns live and maniacal. The silver-tongued devil will strike once again at Council Rock High School this Saturday, May 6, 8 p.m. The Auditorium, Council Rock High School, Swap Road, Newtown, Bucks County, P.A. Finally, we shall strip the, the, uh, we shall strip the shield of sham away from the existing lights of the total concept of you now and the everyday. And by the way, we are going to perform our famous underwater ballet in costume. We have fixed the cops out there in Newtown. It's going to go on as scheduled. I have a new green bikini with sequins, and it's going to work. Yes, this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news. The news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. Legislative movement late today in Albany involving two vital parts of public and private education. Money and racial integration. First, the state senate approved and sent on to the assembly a $33 million parochial and private school aid plan. That plan is designed to replace the one rejected by federal courts last week as unconstitutional. The bill, among other things, includes tax credits for parents with annual incomes under $20,000, 
who do not get tuition assistance under other parts of that same legislation. As for busing to racially balanced public schools in New York State, WR's John Kelly reports on the action to stop busing for that purpose. A bill which will prohibit new integration plans in the state of New York has been given final legislative approval by the state Senate. The bill passed easily 40 to 16 after 90 minutes of debate. The bill was drafted by conservatives as a way of tying the hands of State Education Commissioner Ewald Nyquist. The Education Commissioner has favored busing as a way to achieve racial equality. Governor Rockefeller has generally endorsed President Nixon's proposed moratorium on racial busing and is expected to sign the proposal into law. John Kelly, WOR News, at the state capitol in Albany. Also tonight, New York became the 14th state to ratify the Women's Rights Amendment to the United States Constitution. The Patrolman's Benevolent Association and New York City made a third try to reach a final contract agreement. Tonight, the PBA announced a tentative settlement with key changes from two previous rejected pacts covering patrol schedules. PBA President Edward Kiernan is scheduled this Friday morning as a time to ask the Union Delegate Assembly to reveal the amendment to the rank and file for a ratification vote. The proposed contract would raise to $16,000 the top combined salary and benefits for city patrolmen. Let's talk again, again, and again. Governor William Cahill of New Jersey plans to call negotiators for the striking amalgamated transit union and transport of New Jersey to resume bargaining tomorrow in still another effort to solve that two-month strike against the bus firm.